0: I see myself as like I couldn't dream anymore. At some point, I I just thought, okay, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be a mom. Um, I'll be with my daughter's father. I'll support him. Uh, I'll have this good job. And that's all, you know.
1: Do you ever feel like a hamster on the treadmill of life? Welcome to She Walks the Walk a movement I started to help women lead more inspired, more authentic lives. I'm Sam Plavins. Thanks for joining us. She Walks the Walk is not just an adventure podcast featuring women in the starring role. I talk with authors of epic books, hikers of epic trails, women owning their journeys and celebrating every messy, fabulous step along the way. When you're finished listening to this podcast, Find out how you can join a community of like-minded women at SheWalksTheWalk.com. Hey everyone, it's another Monday, and they all seem to be blurring together these days. Have you noticed how weird that is? Maybe it's just me, but life has slowed down, and yet it still kind of feels like we're chasing our tails. This idea of going round and round in circles in service of all the people we love is universal especially for women. And it's no different from my next guest, Anita Garcia Ortiz. When Anita found herself unexpectedly pregnant, she accepted the reality that her own dreams would need to be on hold. I mean, that's what moms do. They sacrifice. And it's born from a place of deep love. But following the traumatic delivery of her daughter at 30 weeks, Anita knew she'd need a job with a high enough salary to help cover the medical bills from having a premature baby. Healthcare in Guatemala is not cheap, especially the quality kind outside of anything publicly funded. So Anita took a position as an administrator with the United Nations, and it paid very well, but was a far cry from her passions of art and education, which, sadly, do not pay all that well in the country of Guatemala. When the pandemic hit, Anita's long commute was suddenly gone, and she was forced to work from home like most everyone else. With this freed up time, she was able to put new energy into the art she'd loved since childhood, her embroidery. She found new meaning in making and creating things with her hands, and she began to see new possibilities for herself, as others began to take notice of her unique talent. Anita's story resonated deeply with me. For her, COVID-19 has turned out to be a gift, shining a light on her own talents, but also exposing the things that were no longer serving her. Long drives to an office, the bustle of a crazy busy and, dare I say, dangerous city, a relationship with her daughter's father that wasn't meeting her needs, and working long hours at a job she didn't love just to pay the bills. Anita knew there had to be more for her. Through this last year of self-reflection, she's come to trust herself and is about to take a new leap of faith. She's under no illusions about how it will all work out, but Anita wants to show her daughter that real life is not a smooth and easy road with only one possible direction. Anita is walking her walk. Let's listen in. Hola, Anita. (laughs) Hola,
0: Sam. It's so good to be here and finally meet you.
1: It is really good to meet you. And just to give our listeners some insight, I met Anita through my father and her story really captivated me because it's essentially the spirit of She Walks the Walk. So, Anita, I just want to listen. Can you tell us, first of all, Tell us exactly where you're from, how old you are, and uh, what is your story?
0: Okay, well, thank you, Sam, for listening to my story. This is very um, new to me, like sharing my story like this. Um, Well, I was born in Guatemala, in Guatemala City, and here's where I actually live. I'm 31 years old and... I was very captured by the spirit of She Walks the Walk because it was just like a perfect representation of what I what I'm going through right now in my life. You know, like trying to like set boundaries on my roles as a woman in Mm. in my life, with my family, uh, in my professional career and like opening up to the opportunity of thinking about myself in a different way first I, I just have to say that English is not my my mother tongue I don't know if that's how you say it so it's I will do my
1: best to to tell you my story it's very good though and so let, let's let just start there how how did you come to speak so fluently
0: well I think it's because of my dad I come for from a very um, humble background My mom and my dad didn't have, not even half of the opportunities that I have right now and that I had while I was growing up. So he was very, he worked very hard to give us, um, his children, the best that he could. Mm -hmm. So he uh, motivated us to study English. He knew from the beginning that was going to be very important for our professional careers, for our life in general. So he was in charge of putting us, um, of taking English lessons after school. And then I think one of the experiences that helped me uh, the most to practice English was an exchange program that I was in um, when I was a teenager. And I I went to Minnesota and lived there for like two months and practiced my English because no one there spoke spanish so i i really had to try to make people understand what i was trying to say and and that really really helped with my
1: fluent uh way of speaking english don't worry about speaking perfectly i mean this is a cool chill interview so we're all good and i'm listening okay okay
0: uh, well, to tell you my story, I think I'll have to go back to when I was twenty-five years old. Uh, that was when I when I got pregnant. It was a very unexpected pregnancy. I was just about to start the job of my dreams. Um, I was starting as a tour leader. I traveled to Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, and I um i showed the country to to a group of tourists and i was getting paid for that but i i something happened and and i i got pregnant and i was i was single you know i was not with my daughter's father so i had to stop i had to stop stop working because the job was very physically it was very demanding i almost lost the baby it was very uh, stressful to me so I had to stop and mm-hmm. I I had to come back to to Guatemala and rest for a few months and my pregnancy was very uh, it, it was not very it was it was it was a stressful pregnancy
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, especially because I did worry a lot about my economic um uh, security, you know, and what I was going to do with my baby. I had just lost my job. Um, I couldn't work either because I was pregnant and I had to rest. So my family was very supportive. I, I have a group of friends that are just my second family. They're the best. Mm. So I found like a very, um, like a whole community around me was just supporting me in every way, emotionally, economically, in every single way so I made it through and I got a job I was working with an artist I was like mm-hmm. her assistant in Antigua Guatemala in Santa Ana actually mm-hmm. I was working with her and I loved the job it was very easygoing. I was involved in art that's something that has always been a part of my life and I used to work before that. I used to work in a, at an art gallery and a cultural center. So art has always been in my life. I, I, I like it. So I was working with her. And one day I just started to have um, contractions in, in my belly. But the baby was still very small.
1: How far along were you?
0: I was 30 weeks.
1: Oh, my goodness
0: yeah so it was in the baby the baby was a small baby. my belly was very tiny too, so I was feeling bad physically and I went back to my house and it's just the the placenta um mm-hmm. came off, and I had a uh, I had to go to the hospital. Uh, Uh, in an ambulance and everything like very dramatic. And because I didn't have enough money and you know, the healthcare system in Guatemala, if you don't have money, you're lost. Because if you want like a high quality uh, health service, it's very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I w I didn't have an insurance. So it was just like very uh, chaos. So I went to a public hospital Um, Public meaning
1: you didn't have to pay. It was government funded.
0: Exactly. It was, it was free, you know. Um, And I got there and yeah, that was like the, one of the worst experiences in my life. Um, So I got there and because of my condition, they had to take me to surgery right away. So, but I didn't know what was going on. No one told me anything. So I just got to the surgery, like the surgery area where, where I got the surgery and they just um, put me to sleep, mm-hmm. but they didn't tell me anything. So I just remember falling asleep and then waking up and not having my baby in, <sighs> inside of me, you know? So I just lost it and then started screaming and it was just very traumatic, very traumatic. And um, I was just devastated. I didn't know how my baby was, if she was healthy, uh, what was going on. And they just left me in a hallway for hours. Like, I just remember seeing people go by. I couldn't move, of course, because I just had a a C-section. I was in pain.
1: Yeah, awful. Can I just ask if the, mm-hmm. if your experience there is what you went through if that's typical for if the lack of communication, you know, maybe not having a private area for you to recover is that fairly typical for the public healthcare?
0: Yes, that's what's oh. normal, you know. Mm. And that's the sad part of it, but I'll tell you later what happened because it was something that changed my view on things in regards to women and motherhood.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, yeah, I, I was there. Finally, they take me to the to where other moms were waiting for the ba- their babies. And I couldn't see my baby because she was too small. She was just two pounds. She, she weighed just two pounds. And oh she was goodness. very tiny. So she was in uh, intense care. Yeah. And, well, finally... Uh, a friend of mine was working there cause she's a doctor and she sees me and she went downstairs to p- took a picture of, of Julia. That's, that's my daughter uh, showed it to me. So that was the first time I saw my baby in a picture. And, and I said, okay, I have to get off. I have, I have to get up and leave this bed. I don't know how am I going to do that because I couldn't walk.
1: I mean, yeah, a
0: lot of pain, you know, for sure. Yeah. So I said, no, I'm going to do this. And and I did it. I got up. And then a nurse said like, no, you're not going anywhere. You have to eat. You're going to faint if you keep on walking. And so I ate. Uh, I went downstairs. I saw my baby. I couldn't touch her because she was in an incubator.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that must have been so hard.
0: Yeah. It was, it was, it was very hard. Like really it's, I think it's the hardest experience
1: I've been through in my helpless. Whole life. Helpless. You must have felt just helpless standing there.
0: Yeah. And actually I just decided to like let go, you know, just because I didn't have control there of anything. Yeah. I, I couldn't do mm-hmm. anything. And I was not strong enough to fight either, you know. So but a lot of other women were in the same position as I was. Um mm. I got to see there two very young girls having babies, which was very, it was very shocking. I mean, I know about statistics of pregnancy in little girls in my country, but when you're there yeah. and you're actually seeing it, It it's just shocking, you know?
1: Mm. Um,
0: so yeah, I, I saw a lot of things there that that changed my view on life. And well, I, I I finally got out got out the hospital. Julia had to stay because she I, I couldn't take her home with me until she she wait a little bit more. So every day I went to the hospital, like at five a.m. in the morning, um, to the I don't know how do you say this, but the place where they take out your milk so they can give it to the babies.
1: okay. So maybe like a lactation room or something. Yes, exactly.
0: I had to do that with other women and then I could visit her, but to visit her, I had to make like long, I had to wait long hours uh, in in line, you know, to get inside the hospital, then to get inside the um, intensive care room and then to get inside the specific room where she was. So I had to wait a lot of time. I just had to learn how to wait. So I decided to do some embroidery while I was waiting. So I took my embroidery and I started doing it. Uh, I used to wait uh, sitting in the stairs of the hallway. Yeah. And I just sat there and do some embroidery. And this just, I think, captured the attention of other women. And there was this uh, powerful woman. Her name is Guadalupe. And she sat next to me and she's like, hey, I've seen you around. Uh, like, tell me your story. You know, how's your baby? And we started talking uh, and we became friends. And then the next day she she was knitting things too, you know, for her baby. Uh-huh. Uh, and we just got very close. And then the next day, other two women were knitting next to us and and then you you could just see like oh my god seven women knitting and doing embroidery talking in the stairs of the hallway and it's crazy but i swear when when all of that happened with julie i was i was just sad i was depressed i didn't want to eat mm-hmm. uh, i wanted to sleep in the hospital like camp outside the hospital i didn't want to leave that place cuz my baby was there but as soon as i started talking to other women and to connect my story with other stories that were very similar or even way more painful and complicated than mine. Uh, just sharing, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and connecting. I, I always say to Guadalupe uh, because we still talk, that she just made me, she just like saved my life. She made me happy, you know, because I started to feel more mo- motivated to go to the hospital. Didn't cry that much because I used to cry like 24-7. Um, and I was very interested in listening to these women, you know, to understand their story too. So and this
1: I- this mm-hmm. circle of, of other women that were there in the same situation as you became... Like a community for you, a community, a community of support.
0: Yeah, like a support group. Mm. And the crazy thing is that I I do believe that what what got us together was knitting, doing embroidery. You know, like making stuff for our babies. Because I was doing an embroidery for a pillow that I wanted to give Julie when she came out of the hospital, and others were were knitting uh, uh, hoodies or hats yeah um, and or gloves or um things for their toes um slippers slippers yes so that was that was very crazy because it was nothing else than doing this with your hands for our babies so it was very it was it, it meant a lot to me and and we were like a yeah it was a support group because even when we were in line Women were like, "Hey, I saved you a space. Come here, come here," uh, or so we, cool. yeah, so or cool. we would have had lunch together. You know, like, "Hey, they're they're serving free lunch uh, downstairs. Let's go," and we were we will all go. Um, if there there was you know nurses here have a very bad reputation because they're very cranky and grumpy. So if a nurse would like call someone a bad name or talked to uh, talked bad or was rude with one of us we were all like hey hey show some respect you know so it was a support group in in many many ways and um, well yeah after that we were all uh, we we had different um, situations like health situations uh, on our babies you know Uh, one of them got her twins uh soon so she left and then another one had to take her baby out and into another hospital so she left too and like things were changing and situations of her life were changing but i kept in touch with guadalupe i still talked to her um and her baby milagros she was very she was very very sick so Mm -hmm. she had to stay um, Julia was there for almost two months in, in intensive care. Finally, she got out. I got the chance to bring her home with me. Um, and Milagros, the Guadalupe's baby, had to stay for, for a few more months than Julia. But it was really nice because we 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 are still friends. I mean, I talked to her last week, and, and the, the nice thing, too, is that I I I really connected with Guadalupe and I could see like the power inside the women. She's a very strong woman. She, she lives in a very escasos um, recursos, uh, you know, like she doesn't have enough income to support her family. Um, so we talked about it and my family is supporting her education because she didn't finish uh, primary school now she finished primary school she's starting high school right now in a special education program for grown-ups uh, so yeah everything that happened from that experience to me like I had to make meaning out of it and yeah having so her
1: powerful yeah so having powerful. her in
0: my life you know just talking to her asking how is she like she knows she has a friend that that actually trusts in her in her abilities in her power i think that's what i took out of that specific experience and also the fact that i noticed how powerful embroidery can be so i decided to continue exploring embroidery and and like doing things with that with that art
1: you know making things with your hands creating yes yeah totally so yes um
0: then my baby uh grew up and i got a good job a very good job that's the one you talked about with the un and but i also i was always thinking about how i could make money you know uh, to take care of her because she was also very sick. I mean, she she got out of the hospital and she was fine, but she got sick of, of her lungs that were her biggest um, issue, health issue. So I had to spend a lot of money afterwards. And her dad started to become a part of her life, but in a, like a partial way. And he was supporting too, but still, um, I needed to make some more money, so I got did this you, job. Yes. Did you
1: need you needed to make more money than you were making at the UN? Or that's that? What the UN was like the the ticket for you to make enough money?
0: Yeah, the UN was. Well, to me it was just perfect because it was okay. enough money for my situation, right? Um, and and it it also gives me a lot of other um, securities, you know. Uh, in regards to health because I have insurance and all that. So it was very safe to me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started working there and everything's okay. But I mean, I see myself as like, I couldn't dream anymore. At some point I I just thought, okay, this is going to be my life. I'm going to be a mom. Um, I'll be with my daughter's father. I'll support him. Uh, I'll have this good job, and that's all, you know? Ugh. So yeah. So then <laughs> I met this other group of women that's called, um, uh, we, we call it el telar, which means, like, the, um, you know what the women in Guatemala use to make their fabrics? They put it in their waist. Uh... I think it's like wombed, like what you use to make a fabric.
1: Okay. Oh, a loom.
0: A loom, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Loom Loom of dreams. Oh, Um, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I started with, with, I I got involved with them. And just to be a part of it made me realize that I could dream and I could Like my life had other possibilities, you know, I could see myself as doing something else. And again, a group of women showed me that, you know, a community of women. So I said, okay, so I I can dream again, you know, what what am I going to dream of? And
1: How um, did that make you feel knowing that you could once again be open to new possibilities and dream?
0: It was just like, um, like, I only saw one road, you know, like in my future, this was the only path I could walk in. And it was like, they pointed me somewhere else. And like, if they were telling me, Hey, you know, there's another, another way uh, you could do this, you know?
1: So I love that.
0: Yeah. It was very, it just opened my eyes and, and I just, I just started dreaming again, you know, like, to think about myself in different situations, doing other things other than being a mom and a partner for my for my partner. <laughs> um, so I started to like understand what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to be an artist. It's all I ever wanted, I think since I was a little girl. And I love to write, too. I, I've written some stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, years went by, like, three or four years. And I started to uh, do embroidery, like, just to practice again and learning. And I took a lot of online workshops. And my mom is uh, – she she's always been – she sews, sews, That's how you say it. So sews. With yeah, a, like sews. With, yeah, yeah. She sews. She knows how to make uh, jeans, uh, shirts. She she's great. So she she taught me a lot too. And I just started to try new techniques, new embroidery techniques. And then I said, okay, I'm gonna do my own design. So I started drawing again, and just experimenting. But my embroideries were like, uh, I kept them in a bag. Uh, <laughs> I called the bag "la pinche bolsa." That's like <laughs> <laughs> that horrible bag. That's where my embroideries were, you know. And then one one day, a friend of mine said, "Hey, I'm," she's a she makes jewelry. And I said, hey, I love those earrings. I just love them. And she has, uh, she saw me doing embroidery once at a restaurant because I took my embroideries everywhere. Like if I was in a bar, I was drinking a beer and doing my embroidery.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't stop. And she said, yeah, I saw you doing embroidery the other day. Uh, what do you say if you give me one of your pieces and I can give you one, the, the earrings that you like? And I said, okay, well, I I didn't know my, my embroideries had liked you or or you had liked my, my work. So I took some pictures and I uploaded them in my Instagram, my personal Instagram. And she's like, she has a lot of followers because of her jewelry brand. So she uploaded the, the pictures and she like mentioned me. And then another girl wrote to me and she's like, hey, I love your work. Could you please do uh, this piece for me? Uh, I really liked it. I was like, yeah, of course. So I, I sold like two embroideries and then another girl asked me for another. Embroidery. So it just started to happen, you know, and I needed like a plan because I said, OK, this might work, you know, but I need to like give it a good shape. like put things in a way that I can do this right. For Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not just like a hobby that, Oh, from now and then I do this. And so suddenly uh, COVID uh, happens and. Oh, the COVID. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because at at this point of my story, I'm working eight hours, if not 10 hours in an office uh, doing like, Two hours a day of traffic, having this lifestyle that was very just consuming and stressful. Uh, so yeah. I, I actually couldn't, couldn't embroidery that much, couldn't do my embroideries because I was always busy, you know, taking we care call, of my daughter. Mm-hmm. We
1: call that the rat race. You're just yeah. in the rat race, exactly. chasing the carrot or the piece of cheese.
0: Yeah, that's how I was, you know. So I didn't have time to just sit Mm -hmm. and do embroidery. Um, So when COVID appeared uh, to me, it was a chance to stay at home because we were still working from home and use the free time I had to to do my embroideries and to focus more on the projects, on my personal projects. So I also... uh, had a a coach uh, um, that helped me go through that. And she gave me the tools to create a plan. And the cool thing of her is that she's a writer. She's Mexican. And so we connected a lot through the writing. And she understood what a plan means for an artist. That's very different than what a plan means to a business woman, you know. It's Mm -hmm. completely different because it has other like subtle things that you have to consider. Like you don't want to make your art something that you're going to hate at some point because um, it's the only thing that gives you money to live. You know, you don't want to get there. That's not the point.
1: That is really profound. I just have to say, yeah, yeah. I'm letting that sink in right now. And I'm thinking of all of my friends who our creators, and it—it's probably one of their biggest um, challenges that holds them back is they don't want to end up resenting or falling out of love with this passionate thing they do. That's exactly. very interesting, Anita. Yeah,
0: she really, she really taught me. You know, she 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 was a guide for me in that sense because I do know I tend to do that with things that I love, like. I burn, I burn out, you know, even if I'm doing something that I really love, it gets to a point where I just don't want to do it anymore because um, I couldn't like balance it right with my, with my life. And just with small things like sleeping, you know, or going to the bathroom when you're working, like you don't want to stop. You don't even want to go to the bathroom, you don't. So she helped me to understand that. The things that we give for granted, you know, like we we think they don't matter. They're actually very important. And um, so, yeah, she she was very, very helpful. And I think without her help during COVID, uh, I wouldn't have done everything that I did. Because I told you I had my embroideries in a bag and I took my bag everywhere. But I didn't have a place, you know, to just do things. So the first thing we did was to create a space for me, even if it was just a tiny corner in a room, but that was my space and, and that's where I could do stuff. So we did it. And now I'm talking to you here in, in in the space that I created with the things that I had. I mean, I didn't have to buy anything. It was just put a desk, sit down and do your stuff, you know? Yeah. Um so and and that's the name of in Spanish is territorio de bordado like embroidery um, space could be but territorio is a word that it's also connected to earth you know tierra okay yeah so it's uh, it's not the word space it's like a land of embroidery or something like that um, so I really liked that idea of of giving space. Inside of me and in an actual physical space mm-hmm. to my art and to what I, what I love, to my passion, you know? Yeah. So I did it. And, and then it all started changing because I think once you start like changing things inside yourself, everything around you changes too. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. and Yeah. So one of my dreams was to live by myself, you know, in in my own place, because I live with my parents right now. And yeah, so one thing led to the other. And I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move. And I'm going to move to a place where I feel like I can have the chance to uh, get stress out of my life. The city, to me, is a very stressful place. Uh, Guatemala 18, city, Guatemala city. Yeah. Yes, it is. I it's, understand very, that. it's very dangerous too. I've been robbed like 10 times. I can't walk, uh, down the street. I always have to use a car. So <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of things that I, I just didn't want anymore, you know? So I, I did take the decision of saying, okay, this is not the life that I want. And well, things happened, I, I'm just breaking up and ending a long term relationship with my daughter's father, and I'm happy. I mean, of course oh. it's it's always something very hard, but yeah. I think that's like that's what you have to do sometimes like this decisions that hard to be faithful to yourself, you know and I think I was always afraid of making those decisions because it's always very scary. You don't know. It's like moving out of your comfort zone. So you don't really know if that's going to be the best decision. But now that I did it, that I took the decision, that I moved out of a relationship where I was not happy, that I'm moving out of the city in April, um, that I have a space where I can do my embroidery, I am just happy, you know? I think about it and I'm, I'm like, why was I so scared? This is, this is the best thing I, I'm, I've ever felt in the last six years. What I'm feeling right now, this transformation inside of me, uh, I mean, it is just awesome. And then uh, with all this happening, I met your dad, uh, who's, a, who's a great guy. And he told me about you. He is a great guy. <laughs> yes, he is. He is a blessing right now in, in my life. Well, you are too. And oh. he, he told me like, look, my daughter has this project. And, and I, just going to the website and reading what it was about, to me, was just like, okay, this is just like another blessing that's coming because I had the courage to decide to live my life. The way I want, I want to live it, you know, not the way anyone else is telling me, but just how I want to live my life. So, yeah, that's how I found you. And it's just like everything's been so magical in the last few days.
1: I have I have so many questions for you, Anita. I I wonder if in the last six years you felt some sort of pressure as a woman and as a mom um, either kind of from the society in Guatemala or maybe from your family to just try and make it all work just you're lucky you have this job you know just just keep going did you feel that yeah
0: I felt I had to like um serve an expectation of me but mm-hmm. especially when I think it was myself, you know. Especially Great. when it comes to uh, you're you are the mom, the heart of the family, you know. So I think what I what I wanted was to build that family, that idea of mom, daddy, and and daughter, you know, uh, like the happy family idea. And I think I, I I put up I I put that up to myself. But okay. I also knew it was because I wanted to fulfill like a social expectation of what it means to have a family, and yeah, I I, I felt that 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 pressure on me. But I have to say, it was it was me, it was myself. You know, um, my family are are they're the best. I mean, they they're just the best family in the world to me. Um, and they've never pressured me to fulfill a, a role of what it means to be a woman and 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 I do think that it, it was also like my my relationship with Julie's dad um, I did feel pressure because I had this v- I have I still have this very good job. So I felt. Like if I left that job, my economic stability was just going to disappear forever. And to me, that was very pressing. You know, I I, I felt like I had to hold on to my dreams because I was also supporting my partner's dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, OK, my dreams can wait. You know, I'm just going to wait because... Right now I'm supporting his dreams. So I'll pause mine. And then when it comes the right time, I'll do my thing, you know? So yeah. yeah, that's, that's how I felt. Um, and I think I was also very scared as I told you before, because I didn't, I think it has a lot to do with trusting yourself. You know, I, I think I didn't trust myself enough and, and now I am aware that things might not work out as I expect them to work, but I trust myself. So I know if that happens, I can find a way out of it or I can figure things out because, because I trust what's inside of me. I'm not putting my trust in anybody else. You know,
1: that is also such a powerful realization. You know, this is, I said this yesterday um, actually on Instagram of all places. I I was looking at my closet and clothes that I don't wear anymore because I'm Mm -hmm. not in the corporate world anymore. And I've been hanging on to them, you know, just in case this whole she walks the walk thing doesn't work because I am a little frugal and I don't want to have to go out and buy new things, Mm -hmm. but they're collecting dust they're just sitting there taking up space and they annoy me every time I see them. And so I thought I have to just get rid of them. It's like donate them something. They're like a symbol to me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I made the decision yesterday, I'm moving on and I'm not going to have this idea that I can just fall back to where I was because Mm -hmm. no matter what, there will always be, you know, if this doesn't work out, it will lead to some other path that opens up. And it was it was such an amazing feeling just from standing, looking at my closet and deciding to, like, yeah. move these clothes out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because it happens to me, too. Uh, in, in my current job, I am a secretary, so I also wear like high heels and dresses and stuff like that. Um. And and they're they are just there hanging in the closet now, and for example, right now my 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 plan is that when we go back to the office, uh, when COVID quarantine and stuff is over, I don't know when that's going to be. I'm not going back. You know,
1: um, is that going to be your your exit plan? Is yes. is to just kind of hang on until. Like real life quote unquote starts back up again, and then Anita will say, You know what, guys, I'm following a new path now, is that what you're yes, doing
0: totally, that's what I'm doing,
1: wow, um
0: yeah, and but that's like the point of no return, you know, for sure me. it is, so when, it, when and you, it's scary, it is very scary, it is very scary, but I'm just so like I'm just tasting this wonderful new life that I'm about to, that I'm building actually, and I love it. So I don't want to go back to that anymore. And it's really funny that you mentioned the clothes because they are very symbolic, you know, to me too. Like seeing them there, it's also like a reminder of, in a way, you know, of my flexibility, like my identity can also be flexible and and that's great, you know, um, but I'm not going back to the way it used to be. I'm just not, this is too good to go back.
1: So, yeah. Oh, I can so, I can so relate. I can so relate. So are you, um, I mean, we've shared a few emails about mm-hmm. your, your ideas and your dreams with embroidery. Um, and I know that, your intention is to go to the house that my parents own in Santa Ana outside mm-hmm. of Antigua. This is how this is the circle of connection here. Mm-hmm. Um, which by the way, I think it will be such a beautiful space for you to create in. Like, I'm mm-hmm. really excited for you. Your the I call it the leap. So, when you yeah. make that leap to this new life that you are starting to build, what is the thing that you're most scared of?
0: I think it's always had, it always has to do with money. You
1: know? I, I, I was thinking you were going to say that because it's when I talk to other women who feel stuck, mm-hmm. you know, they have maybe um, a hobby or something that they really enjoy doing and they would like to make it something that earns the money, you know, more than yeah. just like on the side dabbling the number one thing I hear is not um, worrying about what other people will think or whether they will like their art. It's the security, it's the money it's leaving behind certainty. So how are you going to address that, that fear? And also, you know, the, it takes, it does take time to build Mm -hmm. up an income. What, what is your plan?
0: Well, my plan right now is to I, I learned with this coach I told you about earlier how to how to professionalize something that until now is a hobby. Okay. And she, like like this this coach, this writer, in her life, it's an example of it. You know, she she lives of her writing. And she has been very creative on the way she's done it. Um so I think my plan is to to do that, you know, to just like activate my creativity and think uh, way beyond just doing embroidery. I think the embroidery embroidery workshops I've I've given and created that that's actually a very good income, you know, that I didn't even. Uh, think about before because I just wanted to share what I knew, you know, I want people to share what I have learned through embroidery. So I'll do some workshops, but actually they're, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty good income. And then another thing is that embroidery takes time. It's something that takes a lot of time, even if it's a tiny piece, it it has a lot of detail and I'm very perfectionist. So I, I like to do things right. So it takes me a lot of time. So something I I also learned and that I think it's going to help me like boost my, my plan, um, is to make like bigger pieces that are a little bit more expensive than making a lot of tiny little pieces that each of them are very cheap, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is that I do have to accept that I'm not going to live out of my embroideries. I mean, that's not something that's going to happen, not in Guatemala, maybe someday, but I am just sure that not right now. Um, So I do have a, I'm looking for another job, but a job that could allow me to stay home and work from home. Um. So yeah, I'm between that, you know, finding a job that allows me the enough time to dedicate to my daughter, of course, and to my embroideries, and and creating more workshop spaces to to share what I know.
1: Um, yeah, I'm sure you've thought of this, um, and he, this is an example of Sam. <laughs> inserting herself into someone else's <laughs> wife. okay which yeah, is which is a habit of mine but and your uh-huh. english is it's it's impeccable it's very uh-huh. very good and it's not Thank just the words know. that you that you use like it's not just the communication it's it's the flow you know because of covid a lot of people are looking at um what was once like a smaller market space is now it's even global mm-hmm. so you could take your craft your embroidery and you could offer workshops that people in Canada would attend and yeah. i'm 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 very serious about this because people want to learn from those who are good and also from those who are authentic and this has been a part of your life for so long. It's part Mm -hmm. of your, your creation story. Plus you have this brilliant communication talent. Mm, So, and I, and I, I mean, we, we can be really honest about currency, Mm -hmm. right? So if you were to charge something um, that would convert high in Katsalis, which is, your Guatemalan currency, it might still be super affordable and very, like very much of value for someone in North America, you know? Yeah.
0: You know what you're saying right now? I, I have, I never considered that like given the workshops in English, something I've never thought about, but it it is something that I feel I can do too. And during COVID I, I did, some online workshops, and I was just expecting people from Guatemala, you know, to to sign up, but then I noticed that uh, someone from Spain uh, signed up to the workshop, and another woman in Mexico did it too. So, and and I'm sure that would never happen if it wasn't for COVID. You know, I am just sure because they wanted to do something with their free time, being yeah. home. And just having material there and they didn't know like what to do or how to transform the fabric they had in in their house. So um, it's something real. It's something possible, you know?
1: So one question that I have is about Julia, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, the biggest part of your world. As As a mom and also as a woman and as Anita, You know, Mm -hmm. those three intersecting identities. What example do you want to set for her?
0: Well, I think this is pretty easy to explain in this point of my life because I thought a lot about moving from the city because I didn't want to take away from her, like her security uh, community too, that we have built in the city. My whole family is in the city. Right. And something that was also holding me back was that, you know, like Julie is just going to feel like her, I'm, I'm taking off the ground underneath her feet, you know, uh, and I didn't want that. But then I thought about it, you know, I think I want Julie to know that this is life too, you know, that life changes and that the more you're capable to adapt to new environments, to new people. To maybe a new school, um, I think the more she learns how to live her life in the future when she, when she grows up and finds out I don't know she gets fired from a from her dream job or whatever. But I mean, like the idea of being flexible with life adapt into new things. I think that's something very important that I want her to learn. And also I've been talking a lot with her, like with the fact that now I'm happy, you know, because with the breakup with her dad, it's been very tough for her too. Um, But I I love all the things she can learn from it uh, to understand that Relationships work very differently than what Disney shows kids or fairy tales, you know, yeah. um, it is different. And I, I'm trying to do that with all the love and so- subtlety <laughs> possible uh, because I don't want to hurt her either, you know? So I do think that if she sees me happy and if she, she notices that a lot of things are better now, even though that changing period, it's always hard and and it hurts. Uh, I see that she's okay with it, you know, she's more open to, to do it. And she's even um, like motivated to, to try new things too. So I think that's what I want her to, to understand, you know, like, not everything is as TV uh, shows shows us. Reality is different. Reality is tough. Yeah. Uh, it hurts, you know. Uh, yesterday, I'm just going to tell you this because it's the cutest thing, but she likes a boy from, from her school. <laughs> so she told the boy that she was in love with him.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's adorable. And she's six.
0: She's six, yeah. Oh, gosh, I love and that. And this little boy was like, look, I'm not in love with you. So <laughs> she, he rejected her, and she was just so sad. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, being rejected hurts a lot. So I'm just going to hug you. And if you want to cry, you can cry because it hurts. Don't worry about it. There's plenty of fish in the sea. And I, I like shared a couple of stories that I've been through in my life about <laughs> rejection, too. But it's just that, you know, it's like understanding that life, it's its real, it hurts, it's tough, but it's also beautiful. And when you decide to um, get out of your comfort zone, enter your challenge zone, maybe your panic zone, um, wonderful things happen. And you get to know yourself in ways that you maybe didn't even imagine. So I think, yeah, the, the things I'm doing and the decisions I'm making hopefully will um, help her one day to see life in a different perspective.
1: I think you're showing her a very strong example of what it means to love yourself, you know, what it means to be, to be courageous, to move forward, even when we're scared and, um, I'm, I'm actually obsessed with it. We don't have to be stuck in the same pattern for our whole Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. and we get one chance. And if you don't ever go for it, you know, you, you might never know.
0: I want to show Julie that, um, life has endless possibilities and whatever it is she wants to try. She, she's free to do it and not only free to do it, but I'll, I'll support her, you know, so, yeah, and, and and another thing that I do consider a lot is that it, life is tough, you know, because I don't want her to believe that it's going to be super easy and she's going to do just fine and everything's going to be wonderful because it's not. And I think mm. uh, our kids need to be prepared to understand that that's how life works, too. You know, it yeah. has very dark moments and very... um uh, a lot of loneliness and hurtful feelings and that's okay. I mean, it's valid to feel that way and then continue and move on. You know, I, I think keeping it real is just the best thing we could teach our children, not like showing them a world of fantasies that doesn't exist. Cause then it's very hard when you realize that, when you when you get that reality check you know that i've been through that so
1: so you mentioned something in your email about freedom and mm-hmm. if, can you just describe what freedom means for you what does that look like
0: oh wow freedom you know the other day i was i was in the house in santa ana by myself just um just feeling, you know, just feeling the what it what it means to me being there by myself, like I made it, you know, I, I'm here and I did it. And that to me is freedom, you know, it's not something you get for free. Like I mean it takes effort. That's how I that's how I feel, freedom, you know. It's it has taken me time, a lot of time, a lot of courage too. And a lot of introspection, I think, also uh, but the the sense of freedom i i I feel it when I can see all of that together reflected in something real that I've built, you know um, like, like your art, like my art, totally yeah. yes, uh like my space, my space, you know, where I can be myself and do my things. <laughs> that that's freedom to me, just being, being by myself, like being alone, you know, because as a mom, you don't have, you don't get the chance to spend that much time by yourself. You're always with someone. And I love that. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like it, but I mean, when I am by myself and I'm not distracted with the phone or social media or uh, my job or whatever, I'm just with myself now i experience freedom in a way that's just very uh ple- pleasant it's, it's it's just delightful you know um uh but now i experience freedom like i am in peace with myself and i don't have to fulfill anyone's expectations but mine
1: oh my gosh i have goosebumps <laughs> do you, do you, you know goosebumps oh my gosh <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's how I feel freedom now. I don't think I could have said it any better. I think that's exactly <laughs> how I feel that I couldn't express it that way. That's mm-hmm. just so spot on.
0: It's it's so nice that we share that that we share that, you know, because I'm sure I, like I could identify with your story too when I when I went on your website, but I'm just sure a lot of women go through this, you know, and because it's something that we have we've learned to we've learned that being a woman means this uh being at the service of someone else or i'm i'm sure we're not the only ones that share this story and that there's just a lot of women that go through the same thing so it's amazing that you create that like platform where a lot of women can just get together and and share are our stories you know it's and and also what you what you the idea that you have about walking you know she walks the walk it's walking it's something so symbolic too you know and it just walking uh, gets you to places inside yourself that you just never thought you could reach so and being and walking with other women it's just uh, it's wonderful i love it how you how you created all of this i I think it's very complete
1: oh my gosh i wish that people could see how much i'm smiling right now and how much you're (laughs) smiling thank you so much sam this to me is a
0: gift you know just talking to you and 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 like telling you my story it's also very healing you you know it, it has that it's a it's like celebrating sharing with sharing my story with you celebrating my story too you know so thank you thank you for this
1: one of my favorite interviews so far Anita's courage inspires me her warmth and positive energy is an orbit I'd like to be closer to and maybe one day in a world where quarantining is done and borders are more open I'll get the chance to do just that If you'd like to check out Anita's beautiful work, you can find her on Instagram at nina.vieja. That's N-I-N-A dot V-I-E-J-A. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode or have a future guest suggestion, please let me know. And now I am going out for a walk. Peace out.